Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I am your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen, and I thank you so much for listening today. Go check out reallifepharmacology.com, get your free 31-page PDF on the top 200 drugs, great little study guide or review uh, if you're looking to brush up as a practicing clinician. So again, top 200 drugs, I lay out most important clinical pearls you should know, as well as things that you're going to actually see out in clinical practice. So uh, simple email will get you that PDF absolutely for free. All right, let's get into the drug of the day today, and that is atenolol brand name of this drug is Tenormin. It has been around the block for quite a while. Uh, I will say its use has uh, declined since I first uh, started my career, fallen out of favor because it you know, doesn't have certain indications and maybe not so great in hypertension. Uh, but anyway, it is a beta blocker, so that's its mechanism of action as well. It selectively uh, blocks beta-1 receptors. So we don't need to worry as much about blocking beta-2. Remember, beta-2 receptors are on the lungs, so that can impact the breathing and things like that. So uh, primarily selective for beta-1. With that said, I always say as you escalate doses, uh, typically with any medication, selectivity is going to decline. So there certainly is potential as we get maybe more so to higher doses, that uh, there could be impacts uh, on those those beta-2 receptors there. So indications, what would we use atenolol for? So uh, historically, atrial fibrillation, angina, hypertension, uh, history of MI, migraine maybe off-label, and there's a few other obscure ones as well. Uh, In my experience, uh, atrial fibrillation and, and MI are probably the, the two most common. Hypertension used to be more common, um, but it is definitely not a preferred uh, agent in hypertension anymore. So understanding some of the uses that it's going to be used for, uh, we've got to think about what's going to happen. So if it used to be used for hypertension, it probably lowered blood pressure. So that's an obvious effect that you need to pay attention to. And If it's used for atrial fibrillation, it probably lowers pulse or heart rate. So those two effects we're going to need to pay attention to, make sure we're not dropping things too uh, quickly, too fast, and too much. Uh, Dosage forms, this is an oral agent only, 25 milligrams, 50 milligrams, and 100 milligrams are the dosage forms you're going to see most often and that are available. And with that said, maximum dosages... Um, usually it's going to be 100 milligrams. Now, with that said, there may be some obscure situations where maybe it's pushed a little bit higher, um, but by and large, the people that I've worked with and that type of thing, um, you're going to see 100 milligram max in most situations. Now, as I hinted at before, and maybe I said it, atenolol is not recommended strictly for hypertension anymore. We've got lots of other agents we can use, ACE inhibitors, calcium channel blockers, uh, some of the thiazide diuretics. So atenolol is not going to be a go-to agent if somebody just has hypertension. Now, the situation where you probably see it used for duplicate conditions, so if they've got atrial fibrillation, you know, and that type of thing. But by and large, we're, we're probably going to see metoprolol used a little bit more. 
uh, maybe carvedilol in certain situations. Uh, which brings me to the, the point of uh, beta blockers being critical therapy in patients who have CHF, specifically uh, heart failure with reduced ejection fraction. Now, atenolol is not one of the evidence-based beta blockers. Okay, So don't use atenolol in heart failure. You're going to lean on metoprolol, uh, carvedilol potentially, or bisoprolol. Uh, renal function, uh, it's important to remember this. So um, usually with drugs, if they're cleared by the kidney, usually we don't have to worry as much about uh, liver enzymes and drug interactions uh, via those pathways. So atenolol actually is significantly cleared by the uh, kidney. With that, we've got to make sure that we're paying attention to patients' renal function and adjusting doses accordingly. So uh, in patients with uh, renal function 10 to 30 mils per minute, uh, we're going to look at a 50 milligram max, less than 10 mils per minute, which again, that's that's a pretty significant uh, renal impairment and, and going to the worst stage there. Uh, but for those less than 10 mils per minute, maximum is 25 milligrams. So think about that. If you've got a patient that's got a diagnosis of CKD, and they are taking a tenolol, they are on a tenolol, uh, and that renal function is declining over time, uh, that dose may need to be adjusted downward. Uh, adverse effect profile I alluded to a little bit. So drop in blood pressure, drop in pulses are no-brainers. We're going to monitor that. Um, dizziness, uh, fatigue, potentially masking hypoglycemia, uh, in patients with diabetes, maybe taking uh, insulin or sulfonylurea. And then respiratory disease, patients with asthma, COPD, uh, you may have a little bit of a blunting effect um, of some of those medications in rare situations. Again, tenolol, mostly beta-1 selective, cardio-selective, uh, so hopefully we won't have to worry about that too much, but it is something that uh, needs to be considered and paid attention to in the uh, odd chance that it, it does cause some issues with that beta-2 receptor. Okay, there is a boxed warning that I wanted to point out, um, and, and it's with regards to actually stopping the drug, okay? So we, we don't want to stop this medication abruptly, and, and that's pretty much true for, for all beta blockers. Okay, we, if you're going to come off of this medication, we want to do a slow taper down. So that make, should make you think about your patients and those that maybe have difficulty with adherence. So if you've got somebody on a tenolol 50, 100 milligrams, and they're not very good about taking their meds, and they skip it for two, three days, or they go on vacation, and they forget about it, it could lead to some significant issues, and the warning of stopping this medication abruptly is because there have been reports of significant cardiovascular issues. So MI, arrhythmias, angina, that's all been reported potentially as a consequence from potentially stopping this medication abruptly, okay? So pretty serious things can happen if we do this. Again, pretty rare, not not crazy common, uh, but we need to pay attention when stopping a drug like atenolol, and we need to taper down slowly for sure. 
All right, let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll wrap up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for pharmacist board certification study material, like the pharmacotherapy exam, geriatrics, ambulatory care, MTM exam, or the NAPLEX exam, go check out meded101.com store. We've got a growing list of resources there uh, that have been really, really helpful for candidates in helping them uh, prepare them for all the different content outlines and different sections of these exams. So when study materials were created, we went right off the content outline of these exams to make sure everything is covered so you're best preparing for your exam and not wasting uh, time chasing other things. So go check that out. Support the sponsor, meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. If you're a nurse, physician, PA, nurse practitioner, we've got tons of other resources. Uh, books with case studies, audible books, drug interactions, food medication interactions, and that list is growing as we speak. So uh, definitely go check out all those resources. If I've got new content available, I put it up there. So uh, again, meded101.com slash store. All right, so finishing up on drug interactions. So I alluded to atenolol not having many issues with SIP enzymes. So this is a really, really uh, nice thing about atenolol. Um, but on the flip side, we had the renal function issue. So you've got to dose adjust as kidney function declines. So most drug interactions are going to be of the additive type variety. So I think of drugs that lower pulse. So calcium channel blockers like dotiazem, verapamil, uh, maybe a digoxin, uh, maybe acetylcholinesterase inhibitors like denepazil, rivastigmine. These can all lower pulse. And added on top of atenolol, we need to really pay attention to that. And the only other really significant drug interaction I wanted to mention was additive in regards to dropping blood pressure, okay? So PDE5 inhibitors, alpha blockers, ACE inhibitors, diuretics, any medication that's used to lower blood pressure could certainly have some additive effects on atenolol. Now, this is something we're generally going to be monitoring for anyway, because we know atenolol by itself can drop blood pressure. Uh, but I think it is important to note, specifically maybe uh, for some of the drugs that aren't classically uh, classified as antihypertensives. All right, well, that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. I hope you enjoyed this, picked up a few clinical practice pearls. Uh, if you did, leave us a rating review on iTunes, uh, share us with friends, colleagues, other healthcare professionals. That's greatly appreciated. Uh, go subscribe at reallifepharmacology.com, get your free PDF, and of course, support the sponsor, meded101.com slash store. If you want to track me down, have questions, comments, you can find me on LinkedIn, Eric Christensen, PharmD, BCPS, BCGP, or you can email me at mededucation101 at gmail.com. I'm going to sign off for today. Thanks again for listening. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.